The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Apollyon broke into a hideous rage, shrieking, I am an enemy to this prince. I hate his person. I hate his laws. And I hate his people. I have purposely come here to stop you, Christian. Apollyon, beware of what you do, for I am in the king's highway, the way of holiness. Therefore, take heed to yourself. Then Apollyon straddled himself over the whole breadth of the way and countered, I am void of fear in this matter. Prepare to breathe your last, for I swear by my infernal den that you will, you will go no further. Here I will take your soul. And with that he, flew, he threw a flaming dart at Christian's breast but Christian had a shield in his hand by which he averted it and its danger. Then Christian drew his sword, for he saw that it was time to make a stand. Apollyon quickly advanced on Christian, throwing darts as thick as hail. Christian did all he could to avoid being struck, yet he could not prevent Apollyon from wounding him in his head, his hand, and his foot. These wounds caused Christian to falter. Apollyon advanced even more. Finally, Christian found new courage. He resisted as manfully as he could. This mortal combat lasted almost a day until Christian grew weaker and weaker because of his many wounds. Then Apollyon, spying his opportunity, began to move closer to Christian, wrestling with him until Christian fell to the ground. With that, Christian's sword flew out of his hand. And then said Apollyon, I have you now, and almost crushed Christian to death, so that Christian began to despair of life. But as God would have it, when Apollyon lifted himself up to deliver his last blow to make a full end of this good man, Christian stretched out his hand and found his sword once more. He grabbed it quickly, saying, Don't rejoice over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise back up. With that, Christian gave Apollyon a deadly thrust, which made the demon fall back as one who had received a mortal wound. Christian, seeing his advantage, thrust his sword at him again, saying, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. When he heard those words, Apollyon desperately spread out his dragon wings and flew away, and Christian saw him no more. During this entire battle, I saw and heard in my dream the yelling and hideous roaring from Apollyon. It can scarcely be imagined resembling the voice of a dragon, nor can the intensity of the sighs and groans that issued from Christian be fully described. Christian fought with such vigor that his countenance never once relaxed its grim expression until he finally perceived that he had wounded Apollyon with his two-edged sword. Only then did Christian smile and look upward, but until that point it was the most dreadful and fierce fight I had ever witnessed. When the battle was over, Christian said, 
I will here give thanks to him who delivered me out of the mouth of the lion, to him who helped me against Apollyon. So Christian rejoiced, singing songs of glory. Then there came to Christian a messenger with a handful of leaves taken from the tree of life. Christian took the leaves and applied them to his wounds, which healed immediately. He then sat down and ate some of the bread and drank some of the wine that had been given to him by prudence, piety, and charity. I'm reading to you from the book Pilgrim's Progress, written by John Bunyan, published in 1678. This allegory is considered the number one allegory in the Christian or in the entire English realm. It's been in continuous publication from 1678 until today. And there was a time when every sermon made some reference to Pilgrim's Progress. Because John Bunyan has so perfectly described the reality of the Christian's life. Today, many of you are too good to go to hell, but you're too bad to go to heaven. And there is this struggle that has been abandoned. Now, all of you would agree with me, I'm certain, the greatest need in the Christian church today is that of restoration and revival. I hear many Christians speaking about it, writing about it. I'm sure most of you would also agree with me that America is in trouble, that our finances are being crushed, that we are facing the demise of the dollar. You would agree with me that wickedness has flooded out over this nation like a vile vomit. You would agree with me that abortion is sin. Many of you would agree with me that homosexuality is sin. You would agree with me that there must be a change in the values of America to be restored, that our Constitution and our declaration of independence must be restored you would agree with me that there must be a great revival in america but where should the revival begin i believe the revival must begin with me the revival must begin with you and in order for that revival to be effective you're going to have to make the decision as I have to make the decision to absolutely leave the pig trough of American culture. I'm including in that the multimedia, the professional sports, the movies, the entertainment of America. You're going to have to turn away from the Kardashians and all of the foolishness that flows like they flow out of their wickedness affecting the culture of America. You're going to have to take a very careful look at how you spend your time and your money. Many of you believe that you can simply drift along with the culture. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. This is a lie. And if we don't change, America will not change. And if we don't take a stand for personal holiness and personal righteousness as a free gift from Jesus that is real, that's not a shell game, that actually transforms us and changes us into the likeness of Jesus, if we don't begin to affirm that and recognize that in our personal lives, there will be no revival and the judgments of God will absolutely destroy America. 
we're already going over the edge. Many would say we've already gone over the edge. I hear some people say it's too late for America. I want to tell you today, I do not believe it is too late for America. But I believe if there is not a great revival of personal godliness, of personal holiness, there will be no revival in America, and America will be burned. America will be invaded, whether by Russia or China. There will be great catastrophic destruction in our nation, and it will come because there is a total lack of personal righteousness, of personal godliness, because we've turned away from the personal reading of Scripture. We've turned instead to the entertainment of our day. Our minds have been seared by the popular culture. As I hear men speak with great devotion in lowered terms, not about Jesus, but about their favorite team, and proclaim that it's holy. Religion today has taken the field. Not personal faith, not personal righteousness, but institutional righteousness and institutional religion. And it gives no power. Bunyan comes describing a very personal battle with the devil called here in his book Apollyon. And according to Bunyan, who was a Baptist, according to Bunyan, the devil comes to the Christian to try to destroy his salvation and steal it from him. If you are not walking in personal holiness and righteousness, if you are sinning in any area of your life against God, then this battle will destroy you. For it will steal your power, it will cloud your mind, it will bring confusion into your heart, and you won't even have a sword in your hand. You won't have the shield of faith, and you will be taken captive. The sad part is many of you have already been taken captive, and you don't even know it. Remember what Jesus said to the church at Laodicea? Let me read it for you just very quickly. And some of you are saying, Pastor, you've been talking about this church forever. When are we going to get off this church? Well, we'll get off this church when you begin to revive your heart in righteousness and buy what Jesus tells you you must buy if you're going to enter into the kingdom of Jesus. He says this, chapter 3, the book of Revelation. You're lukewarm. That's what Jesus describes when he says, I'm about to vomit you because you make me sick. That's why I said, too good to go to hell, but too bad to go to heaven. So you're in between. Today, the greatest need we have as Christians is that we will stand up and be counted and be righteous and stand in opposition to the wickedness of our culture, the wickedness of our friends, wickedness at our workplace. Oh, pastor, if I do that, I'm going to lose friends. Yes, you will. You might also have your friends say, I want what you have could I follow your Jesus? Well, pastor, I might lose my job. Yes, the early Christians lost their property and all of their belongings. They were cast into jail. They were beheaded. 
today in Iraq, in Syria, in Libya, in Saudi Arabia, in Vietnam, in Nigeria, Christians are dying for their faith in Jesus because they're walking in righteousness and they've taken a stand that says, you can kill me, but I will confess Jesus as my Savior and I will not sin against him. And they pay with their lives, their children's lives, and their wives, many being crucified, shot, beheaded, tortured. China, the same is true. The world hates Christians. It is, without a doubt, the most persecuted body of people in the world today. More Christians have died in the 20 and 21st century than all of the ages combined prior to our day. Oh, but I know. You have your comfortable club to go work out. You have your Wegmans to go shop. You have your Starbucks to get your coffee. You have your job to go to. You have your cash. Everything is good. Everything is fine. The trouble is not at my house. So it doesn't touch me. It will soon touch your house when the dollar is no longer the petrodollar of the world. It will touch your house when a great depression comes upon this nation and people begin to starve to death. Will you starve to death? Or are you close enough to Jesus that you know how to go to him and receive the manna and the water out of the rock? What is your personal condition before Jesus today? What decisions have you made about standing up and saying, I will serve Jesus and I will not walk in the wickedness of my age. I will be utterly separate. I have been called out. Let me read it for you. 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Now, if that's true, let me say something that the Holy Spirit has been teaching me. That when I get in the car, if I turn on ungodly music, it says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Then everything you hear, Jesus hears. And you are pumping into the heavenly throne room the wickedness you choose to listen to or the wickedness you choose to watch. All of that is channeling directly into the presence of God. Now, if he doesn't want that sound in his kingdom, he's going to have to cut you off. And if he cuts you off, it means you belong to the devil. That was a very sobering understanding for me. Many times I have been conscious of laying on my face in the throne room of God. And I'm aware that I have many others also around me on the floor of the throne room of God, petitioning him, praying, interceding. Well, what if I decide to turn my radio up and I begin to blast the kingdom of God with vile wickedness? He has no choice but to cut me off. Have you been cut off from the throne room of God? 
Or have you ever even truly entered into the throne room of God? Have you been so unconscious that you have thought your little life was all yours? And you could do and say and argue and fight and do whatever you wanted to do, and it was okay. According to this scripture I just read, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Whatever you do is very visible and very audible in the throne room of God. Do you think he will not judge you? Do you think he will not say enough and cut you off? It says, shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two shall become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality, and all other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. He sins against the body of Jesus. Now, all sin separates us from Jesus. But some sin, there's a much more intense effect on your life. Then he says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. All personal righteousness has to do with your body. All personal righteousness has to do with where your feet take you, what your hands take, what your mind speaks. All personal righteousness deals with the way you act and the way you think. And there must be a total change. There must be a revival now, a revival, the word revival means to bring back something that is almost dead, breathe into it, give it mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, cause it to begin to breathe again. And as soon as you make the decision that you are going to be personally holy before God, and you turn to Jesus, and you make an agreement with him, asking him to come in, and circumcise your heart as the word says he will do. As soon as you make that decision, the power of God begins to confront the evil of your life. And you either let him do what you've asked him to do, or you grieve him from you, and you are once more simply a person who is religious. but you're feasting at the pig trough of American culture. You're too good to go to hell and too bad to go to heaven. And you live in that in-between sleeping place. And when the bridegroom comes and the cry goes out, behold, the bridegroom is coming. The church wakes up. Half of the church will have no oil and they will be shut out of the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said in his parable of the five wise and the five foolish virgins. These are people who have said, we will follow Jesus, but half of them are barred from entering the kingdom of God. Half of the church cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Why? Because there is no personal righteousness. There's no personal holiness 
they have claimed the right of their body and of their mind to do and be what they want to be. Now, as soon as you make the decision, you will follow Jesus. Bunyan is saying that as soon as that decision is made, Apollyon comes rushing after you and he says, you belong to me and I'm not going to let you go. And now the battle begins for your soul. Many of you, as you listen today, are utterly unconscious of the battle that is going on for your soul. Because you have believed the lie that you can go to heaven and walk in sin and everything's going to work out fine for you. It's not going to. You're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to wake up and understand that the battle for your soul is now pressing you toward the precipice of hell. And if you don't acknowledge that, and if you don't fight as as Christian fought with the sword of Scripture and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness, if you don't engage in the battle with the devil, you will be reclaimed by him. And he is very content that you should simply attend church and be very religious. The devil doesn't mind you being religious. He minds when you begin to change your behavior, when you begin to change your ways, where you hang out, what you do with your time, what you do with your money, how you speak to your wife or to your husband, the way you speak to your children. If there's anger and bitterness in your heart, you have not yet taken the battle seriously for your soul. Now, in this desperate battle with Apollyon, it is a physical, spiritual battle. It is a fight. It is an overwhelming attack to cause you to say, I cannot follow Jesus. I will come back to you, Apollyon. It's too hard to follow Jesus. Well, you're right. It is too hard to follow Jesus if in your heart you still want to keep your lifestyle and you just want to add Jesus to an already full life. It will take every ounce of your energy It will consume your life to find a way through this battle with darkness. He is determined he will kill you. He is determined to own you. And if you do not understand what I'm saying, it is because you have been feasting at the pig trough of culture and you have seared your heart and your mind and if you do not wake up and covenant with Jesus to belong to him and allow him to begin to transform and change your heart and your life there is no hope for you and the only hope for America is that we stop being a religious people and become a Christian people. Now it's interesting to me that this fight with Apollyon in John Bunyan's understanding takes place in the Valley of Humiliation. None of us enjoy humiliation. Everything in our flesh wants to have the answers and have the pride and think we're somebody and that we're accomplishing something. But the path to heaven leads through the valley of humiliation. 
where we acknowledge that we have no power to beat this demon who comes against us. And every every part of our heart finally acknowledges the evil that resides in our spirit. And we finally say, I must have Jesus. And we turn to him. And he then steps into the battle and gives us strength and courage and everything changes. Now, quickly, let's move forward into the next step because these two steps are misunderstood. There is the battle with the devil over known sin. But once that war is won, and we no longer are walking in any known rebellion against God, we have cut off the world, the flesh, and the devil. We are determined we are going to walk with humility before God. We are going to walk in righteousness. You come to the end of this valley of humiliation, according to Bunyan, and then you enter into another valley. And he calls it, after Psalm 23, the valley of the shadow of death. And since there was no other way to the celestial city, Christian was obligated to go through it. Now this valley was a very solitary place. And as the prophet Jeremiah described it, a wilderness, a land of deserts and of pits, a land of drought and the shadow of death, a land that no man but Christian passed through, where no one lived. There is, after we have come through, when we no longer are walking in any known rebellion against God, We have been tested and tried. We have rejected the devil's arguments. We are walking clean. Now comes a time of great testing. And it's in this testing that we grow up in righteousness. It is the valley of the shadow of death, and it is a place where we do not walk with another but we walk by ourselves with an individual trying and testing. He says, Christian was to be afflicted more here than in his fight with the devil. When Christian came to the borders of the valley of the shadow of death, I saw in my dream that he met two men coming toward him, children of those men who brought an evil report concerning the good land of Canaan. These two men were quickly retreating when Christian stopped them and asked them where they were going. (coughs) Pardon me. They said, back, back. And we would advise you to do that too. If you have any concern for your life or your peace of mind, why? What's the matter? inquired Christian. Matter? They said, we were going the same way that you're now going, and we went as far as we dared to go and almost went past the point of no return. Had we continued, we would not be here to warn you. But what did you encounter that made you so fearful? asked Christian. Why, we were almost in the valley of the shadow of death. But as our good fortune would have it, we looked ahead and saw the danger before we came to it. But what did you see? See, they shouted, why the valley itself, which is black as pitch. Yet we also saw demons and dragons in the pit. We also heard the the valley a continual howling and yelling that sounded like people in unutterable misery who are bound in affliction and irons. Over the valley hangs the discouraging clouds of confusion. Death also spreads his wings over it. In a word, it is dreadful. It is dreadful. Well, what happens in the actual life of a Christian is that after they have turned their back on the world, the flesh, and the devil... 
Now they have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death because it seems that they will not be able to succeed in their Christian walk. Everything will come to them saying, look, this is foolishness. You're going to die if you continue walking this way. Friends will say you've become a fanatic. Friends will begin to cut you off. You'll lose relationships that are precious to you. They'll say you're crazy. I know what this means. In my own life, I lost nearly all of my friends. For five years, my family would not speak with me. They said, Ray, you have gone crazy. You're an insane man. We don't talk to insane people. And for five years, they would have nothing to do with me. I know the pain and the anguish of being utterly cut off. And had I responded with bitterness and anger, and frankly, I did respond with some bitterness and anger. And as soon as I did, the judgments of God began to fall on me. It was not until I quickly repented of that root of bitterness and I asked Jesus to please remove it from my heart. And even yet, no, I'll tell you honestly, I was extremely tired yesterday. It had been a very trying day. And I came home. The house was empty. I was by myself. This is the valley of the shadow of death. And the devil came to me and just said in my spirit, how long are you going to foolishly stand watch for Jesus? What are you accomplishing? And my spirit began to groan. And I began to say, you know what, how long am I going to stand watch? How long am I going to go on the radio and talk about these things where I'm struggling financially to be able to cover the cost of the radio I'm struggling with a very small response from listeners. I'm struggling with my own life, with my own being single and not having a partner to walk with me, to comfort me. I'm walking in this valley of the shadow of death. How long am I going to walk in this? How long can I survive? And a grumbling began to come up out of my heart. And I had to quickly cut it off and say, by the grace of Jesus, I am not going to grumble. I am going to go straight ahead. Jesus has been merciful and kind to me. He has opened the way in every crisis. He has rescued me. This month is just like every other month. It's shorter. People are caught up in all of the holiday celebration. But Jesus isn't. I don't need to look at people. I don't need to look at my hardship. My wife, Jan, used to say something to me that was so profound. She would say, Ray, let's not make any decisions after 10 p.m. Let's just go to bed. It'll look different in the morning. She was right. Just go to bed. Rest in Jesus. Don't argue, don't fight, don't grumble, don't be a grump. Just go to bed. You're tired. And frankly, I find the attacks of the devil come at me the most, and the valley of the shadow of death is most painful when I'm tired, or when I'm hungry, or when I'm lonely. And so I've had to guard my heart carefully against all three. So this morning I got up, I had time to pray, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to fast today. And I was quickly rebuked. Spirit of God said, don't, don't put pressure on your flesh, you have work to do. Go eat breakfast. Well, I fast one day a week, and that's sufficient. 
He doesn't want me to fast every day. I don't win this battle in my flesh. I win it by trusting Jesus and staying on the narrow path. And every discouraging word will come. Every every demon possible will come in my face. People will get angry with me. People will criticize me. People will do whatever they can under the influence of the devil to be trouble. I know that if I'm going to be victorious, revival has to begin with my heart. It has to begin in my life. It has to begin in your life. I do not trust in denominationalism. I do not trust in church ritual. I do not trust in what I've been taught about Jesus. I trust in Jesus, the person of Jesus. He's the one who must carry me through. So what is the condition of your heart today? I'm going to open the phone lines. 877-534-0780. What is the condition of your heart today? Are you too bad to go to heaven? Too good to go to hell? Are you feasting on the things of the world? Or have you put sin away? If you've put sin away, are you going through a very painful valley of the shadow of death? (laughs) I have come to treasure greatly the church, the body of Christ. Some of you are attempting to fight this battle out totally on your own. The word says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves one with another. Yes, there are some things we have to face alone. But then we must have a family to be a part of. And the encouragement of brothers and sisters who are also walking One of the most popular parts of the worship service at the National Prayer Chapel is the time when we just open the mic and allow anyone to come forward and talk about the journey. Talk about the victories of the week or the losses. Talk about and bring forward scriptures that have encouraged them on the journey. Suddenly, everyone recognizes we're all going through the same fight. If we have determined that we will be revived in the name of Jesus and we will walk clean. What is your condition today before God? 877-534-0780 And if today you want to join the battle to keep this broadcast on the air, And in January, we are having a price increase. If the cry of your heart is for the word of God to go forth, I invite you to send tithe or offerings to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'll continue to wait for a few minutes on your phone calls. Call 877-534-0780. It's time for us to be shameless, to stand up and say, I am a Christian, and I am winning the battle with the powers of darkness. It will encourage others. Or to say, I need to be prayed for. This is a desperate battle, and I am sinking. Please Pray for me. We've got to get real with this deal. It is a literal battle with the powers of darkness. Are you one of the unconscious ones in this battle, fearful 
afraid to stand up or are you just unconscious and you're not even aware there's a battle going on? You've totally missed it. Call 877-534-0780. And again, the address for the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I also invite you to come and worship with us. It is a place where you can be honest. It is a place where you can be transparent, where you can find others who are on the same journey, where you can find people who only want Jesus. They're not institutional Christians. They're not religious Christians. They're men and women who are on the journey and who are hungry for Jesus. I invite you to come, bring your family, worship with us. Allow Jesus to make himself plain to your heart. We meet at the All Saints Anglican Church. They're a wonderful family church, and they've opened their facility to us along with the Emmanuel Anglican Church. So I invite you to to come and visit us. We meet at the All Saints Anglican Church. The address is 14851 Gideon Drive. 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia. Now I also invite you to go to our to our webpage Okay I invite you to go to our webpage nationalprayerchapel.com nationalprayerchapel.com You know it's interesting <laughs> Even now I get text accusing me of confusing people. (laughs) I just trust Jesus. We have about five minutes left in the broadcast. We have two calls. Let's try to get them both in quickly. Welcome. What would you like to share? Hello. What would you like to share? Hey, Pastor. Um, How are you? Good. So, um, yeah, this is Betty. I was just going to to share that um, as I've been praying, I'm learning to um, trust the Lord, even if things do not seem in the physical realm, um, if, you know, even when things are not what it seems to be. Yes. Um, And so, you know, as I'm doing that... um, um, I feel like I'm getting, you know, like attacks or whatnot. Um, and in the past, I've just, you know, you feel very discouraged. But I'm now learning that even even when I have those feelings that, that come and say, look, you, it seems like, you know, you're back where you were, you know, last week. You know, you're feeling, you're feeling sad again or you're feeling um, upset over somebody or something. Um, like just this morning, and then I, well, I just turned around and I said to myself, I said, well, the battle is not over. I cannot give up at this point. So even if I feel discouraged, I should still have my hope in, in Jesus that, um, that he's going to, you know, that he is doing something and that um, my life will be changed. So and uh, Betty, I just wanted to call and share that. Yes. Thank you. And you know the sword of the Spirit is the Scripture. Yes. Thanks, Betty. God bless you, my sister. Thanks. Talk to you soon. We have just two minutes left. Very quickly, let's take the last call. What would you like to share? Hello, Pastor Greenlee. Yes. You have about 30 seconds. Thank you so much for what you're doing there. You're like a voice crying in the 
wilderness, but it's having a, a, a good effect, especially on me. Um, I, I find that um, I'm, the Lord is having me really, really, He's showing me things in my heart that I didn't yes. even know were there. Yes. And I'm having to put them before Him and, um, and ask Him to deliver me from them and cleanse me from them. And, I, and I, I'm happy about what's going on. It's not, it's not, it's not, it doesn't feel good, but I know that it's cleansing me, and, and that's an important work. Lord, I pray you'll continue this work in my sister. I pray, Lord, that you will encourage her heart and Betty's heart and the many others who are listening right now. Lord, don't let us give up, but encourage us to allow you to do the surgery in our hearts to remove the wickedness and the darkness. Lord, we've been made sick by the sin. Let your blood bring total healing. I pray in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you, sister. Thanks for calling. Thanks. Well, that's going to be it for today's broadcast. I would love to see you this Sunday at the National Prayer Chapel. Whoa, I'm I'm just being told we have an additional three minutes. I don't know where they came from, but that's good news. I want to take those three minutes to encourage you, to say to you. Take up the fight. Take up the fight. And deliberately cut yourself off from all of those things of the pig trough of this culture. Cut those things off from your heart and your life. Now, they will be like drugs in your system, and you will not know what to do with yourself. All of us find things like the cell phone, like the internet, like we have so many things to distract us. Cut them off. They're drugs. Cut off the television. Stop checking the news constantly on the internet. Give yourself time to feel the emptiness of your heart and ask Jesus to please come in and fill that emptiness. Ask Jesus to please come and give you a new heart. Ask him to cause you to be so bold and such a warrior that you will disagree with all wickedness in your own heart and in the hearts of those around you. Recognize we are in for a battle. And Jesus is our deliverer. I just want to say today, Jesus is the lover of my soul. He is everything to me. He has never forsaken. He has never left me. He has been kind beyond measure to me. And to you also. God bless you, my brother and my sister. I am praying you have the victory in Jesus, that you cut off the world, the flesh, and the devil, and you say, Jesus, I will have you and only you. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless. For the presence of His glory